Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. And welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio, um, one of our favorite topics, the topic that I think all of you need to hear more than any other topic that we ever talk about, frankly, is your exact plan, how to become truly rich and stay truly rich in today's part two. We are being as practical and tactical as drilled down as we possibly can with this topic. We want to demystify it. We want to remove all the normal layers of I don't know. Being rich has become so politicized, really. That's just the bottom line. So much of the uh, most recent history of the United States has been talking about the 1%, the 1-1%, just all this comparing and contrasting, all this sort of, uh, I don't know, socially ingrained distrust for rich people. It's very difficult to actually admit to yourself, let alone others, that you want to be rich. I get it. You know, it's interesting when I'm having a, uh, even a high-level coaching call with someone who's really, really successful – who's making millions of dollars per year. You'd think they had millions of dollars saved and millions and millions of dollars in net worth, but they don't. And when you drill down on it, here's what you discover. Not only do they have, you know, they have really nice lifestyles, that's sort of, you know, okay, but they have a belief about being rich that being rich, actually having accumulated a lot of wealth, is somehow bad. Now, they don't verbalize it like that to me. They won't come out and say, I think being rich is bad. But you can tell by the way that they treat their money that they don't want to keep it. You can tell by the way that they spend it. You can tell by the way that they don't plan for you know, just different tax things. You can tell by the way that they think about it that they, dis- they almost have disdain for it. So it. I know it's ironic, isn't it? So here you are, people that are making millions of dollars per year, but they spend it all. They waste it all. They don't manage it well. They are money abusers. And so you've got to kind of cut through all the layers of, okay, so maybe they don't, they're ignorant about how to take care of money. Okay, well, that's not such a big deal. That's easy enough to resolve. Well, maybe they're just overspenders. Okay, not a big deal, easy enough to resolve. And then you start getting to the core of it. Why is it that they don't keep money? It's because they aren't comfortable with themselves as being people who have money. So they have a fundamental belief about rich people that probably they adopted from growing up probably much like I did. You know, I grew up oftentimes teetering between lower middle class and poor. Many of you listening have that same chip on your shoulder. That's what makes you – gives you an edge. It makes you frosty, by the way. It's very rare that you come across anybody in real estate, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, who basically was born with some sort of endowment or trust fund or, you know, most people that are in this business are in this business because we're our first generation millionaires or trying to be in many cases. You guys understand what I'm saying here? So the reality of it is, is that all of us probably have very similar backgrounds and probably have found ourselves in this business because we realize fundamentally it's an opportunity for us to really have control of our lives financially. But here's what ultimately happens. Our ingrained belief about money, about being rich as being a bad thing, is keeping us poor. Now, how can you say somebody who lives in a beautiful house and a beautiful this and the other thing, how can you say that person's poor? Well, you can't, obviously. They have all their needs met. But here's what I've seen before. Julie and I have seen this many times in all of our you know, decades of coaching, is that you'll see an economic slowdown 
Do you see the tides go out and you'll see all the people that were swimming naked? And that's what happens with a lot of these people who earn a lot, don't save anything, and then basically as soon as things change. And look, I'm not talking about you know, some sort of EMP explosion and we're all living in the dark ages again. I'm talking about something as, as mild as a recession that causes your market to slow down temporarily, 90 days, six months, and then all of a sudden they cannot support their own overhead and they're now burning the candle at both ends. That's happened and it happens every time. It's going to happen again. And you got to, like, as from a coaching perspective, someone who genuinely wants to help people move past that, you have to ask yourself as a coach, what is it that's causing them to go back to, to not move past that burning at both ends lifestyle or move, essentially the mindset they have about money? It is a fundamental belief that rich people are bad. It's a fundamental belief also that they don't deserve to be rich. Those two things, they, they bounce back and forth in people's brains. They can't visualize themselves as being rich. They still visualize themselves as a poor person that happened to you know, pull the right Willy Wonka golden ticket, you know, and that's what they're just riding it out because they don't believe it can last. And so they subconsciously make it so that it won't. That's an interesting thought right there that some of you ought to let ruminate in your brains a little bit. And the other one is, is it's become such a politic, politicized thing to basically be rich, let alone want to be rich rich, that people are afraid to keep their money that they have for fear that they'll be seen in a negative light, and there's all kinds of you know weird thoughts that come as a result of that, too. Look, guys, I don't have time, and Julie, this is not a coaching call, so we don't really have time to deep dive into the psychology of why you don't keep money, why, despite all the money you've made in your lifetime. And look, you could be a normal Joe or Josephine earning a normal amount of money in the United States, and you still are living like a, a king compared to 90% of the people on the planet. Why don't you have more money saved? You've got to ask yourself that question. You have to really drill down. So as Julie and I are discussing this topic, again, one of our favorite topics, because it requires the most um, – I think it requires the most uh, intellectualizing or being introspective, rather, about your thoughts about money. And on the other side of that, the realization that you're the one that's been forcing yourself to stay in this feast and famine lifestyle. Yes, again, I know someone's living in a you know if someone's living in a mansion and has five BMWs and the whole rest of it. It's hard to imagine that person's feast or famine. But trust me when I tell you, because Julie and I have personal relationships with some of the top producing agents in the country as personal coaching clients, they many of them come to us with virtually no savings. Their private school tuitions and their this is and the that's and the other things, those are sucking up literally every cent that they earn and they have no money left over. If they have one, two, three, let alone six lean months, they're going to burn through whatever savings they have. They're going to run up some credit cards, and then they're going to start having huge financial problems. And unfortunately, those financial problems usually compound, and it's almost impossible to dig yourself back out of that hole. Some of you who are listening now have been through that. Some of you who are listening now who've been through that are going to go through it again because you didn't change your mindset about money. You still haven't accumulated any. So... Julie and I are not alone in predicting this. It's now basically we've been talking about this now for, what, about two years. Of course, there's a recession coming. Big deal predicting that. Now people are trying to predict when it's going to happen. People are predicting it's going to happen in 2020. Good luck predicting that. But, you know, a lot of this that's coming out is politicized because there's also a presidential election in 2020. And I'm sure a lot of this economic news that's starting to come out is basically essentially designed to sort of derail the fact that this is the – 
only time in recent history, like the past 20 years, where we've had full employment in the economy, where the economy is actually the economy is actually growing more this year than it has in the past like 10 or 15 years in terms of year-over-year -year gross domestic product growth. That's incredible. So our economy is in full rebound. You know, it's amazing to be uh, you know selling real estate right now. I don't care even if you're selling in a harder market like New York City. It is what it is. That those trends they shift. They always go back and forth. And so right now you're making money. If you are making more money than you've ever made before, we have coaching clients that are literally making hundreds of thousands of dollars per month net to them. And the first conversation we have with every single one of them, okay, great. I'm thrilled that you earned five hundred thousand dollars this month. After how much money did you save off the top? Well, this, that, the other thing. Nope. You're going to go to the bank, and you're going to put $200,000 in the savings account. And now how much money do you have totally saved? And then when they see that number accumulating, then one day you have a coaching call, and you say, well, congratulations. You have 500000 saved. You have 750000 saved, and your taxes are paid, and your house is paid off, and you have no car payments, and your retirement accounts are fully funded, and your kids, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. You see? This is how it works. This is the reason that ultimately when you are willing to take responsibility for your own head junk about why you're keeping yourself poor and you move past it, look, you don't have to figure it all out. This is a mistake that a lot of people make when they're in the process of improving themselves is they think they have to figure it all out before they take the actions. The best way to do something is always trying to learn while you're doing it. You know, I, Julie and I used the example of Orange Theory because it's been so torturous for us since last August when we started. But we did, we did, it was horrible. We did not intellectualize why things work the way they work uh, physiologically when you're trying to basically work out in really good shape. We did it and we learned as we did it. If we'd sat around and, and trying to figure it out and Dr. Phil it until the cows come home, too much time would have passed, you wouldn't have moved the needle, and your situation just gets worse. So there it is. Learn while you're doing it. Or as we like to say with our coaching clients, learn while you earn. So as we're going through these next points, some of them seem elementary, but you're probably not doing them, so I want you to seriously consider asking yourself why they're not. But give yourself the opportunity to finally be financially free. Remember, guys, financially free is very simple. It's where your money works for you, and you no longer have to work for your money. And if your overhead is 5000 10000 15000 that means you have enough passive income coming in to cover all of your expenses. Okay, All of your personal overhead should be covered by passive income. That is rich level one. Write that down. Rich number two is where... Uh, you have you're able to pay cash for everything after all your immediate financial needs are taken care of you're able to take cash for everything if you want to buy a new Ferrari you buy it with cash because you can afford to if you want to buy a new Camaro same idea it doesn't matter I'm not trying to you know what I'm saying here guys but you pay with cash you don't accumulate debt you accumulate assets you accumulate assets with the money you're making Buy single-family houses we're going to talk more about that today Buy things that are going to produce income to increase the amount of money you're making passively. This is how you get rich and you stay rich. Rich is not a number. Rich is not a, it's a, the number that it is is the amount of money you have to earn passively every month to pay all of your overhead. Okay, it's not some you know arbitrary number like five million, ten million. It's not what some Wall Street dude tells you you have to have in order to be considered wealthy. Those are all those Mickey Mouse things you read on Bloomberg and CNBC. All those things are just uh, propaganda produced by the financial services industry with big quotes around those two words, by the way, trying to essentially make it so that you know, it, every report they come out with, it's all designed to service them. 
You know, so you have to completely wash your brain of all the crap that you hear in popular media about rich and just focus on the fact that rich is where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. And if you had, when you have, hopefully all of you will have, money coming in from um, assets, then those assets produce enough uh, positive cash flow, that that positive cash flow covers all your personal overhead, you are now unburdened from having to ever worry about money. Now, you take care of those assets, you add assets, guess what? You now have a retirement account that you can live off of if you ever choose to stop work, working. Or if you ever, you know, maybe you want to take a year off. I don't know. Maybe you do. I've had coaching clients that only work for half a year and take a half a year off. They do that every year. That's their lifestyle. They can do it because they have passive income coming in. So these are the types of thoughts I want all of you guys to have. This gives you a very clear, relatively, in many cases, short path to get to the point where you've actually accomplished something with, that virtually nobody accomplishes this day, nowadays, which is financial independence, which is being financially free. And every time we're in front of a group, virtually or in person, we ask, why the hell did you get your real estate license? You know, Why did you sign yourself up to this insanity? After they kind of go through the usual touchy-feely, you know, Political correct type, type, then they go to, I wanted to be free. That's right, you wanted to be free. Free from what? Then they'll say some free things that they want to be free. And then someone will say, it's always one person, he'll say, I wanted to be financially free. I wanted to be free from not having to worry about money. That's the reason you guys got into real estate. All of you. That's the essence of why you got into this business, because you wanted to be financially free. You don't have a path to do it. We're giving you the path. Follow it. It works. It's been proven and tested in every, now basically multiple countries. So, Julie, I think you have an email you wanted to read, and let's go through a few more points. Uh, just actually a quick uh, couple of Facebook shout-outs for our private coaching members. And they're starting to post some of their Father's Day pop buys. We've done a show about the value of popping by in person, having real contact. Lots of good pictures going on there with people sharing their weekend prospecting ideas. And then there's a nice little discussion about uh, the fact that some of our members are noticing this trend that sellers are have figured out what builders have done for years, and that is to not pay commission on anything except the sales price. So there's a nice discussion going on about sellers saying, okay, well, you can boost the price a little bit over the appraised value, but we're just going to only pay on this amount. Or if you want us to contribute $5,000 towards your closing costs, we're not paying commission on that. And, you know, I think it's a, a good discussion to have what's normal in your market and what's not and to not overreact when you see things like that because it really boils down to not that much money. Don't lose a deal over a seller making that demand. I think that's pretty reasonable. And, you know, builders have done that for years where they didn't pay on options and upgrades. We've seen that a lot. So it's a great uh, place for agents to be discussing what's happening. And then, of course, there's always referrals exchanging hands. So that's the Facebook page. And then uh, back over to our uh, topic du jour of wealth building. Back to you, Tim. So, guys, listen, if you'd like a free coaching call, free coaching calls for agents.com, free coaching calls for agents.com. Um, if you've not registered yet to attend the event that Julie and I are doing the end of July, um, just north of Austin, Texas, in Georgetown, Texas, please go to harrisvipmastermind.com, harrisvipmastermind.com. All right, Jules, next point. All right, so to just put this in the order of, you know, you called it in the outline, no BS phases of wealth building, and I'm just going to kind of tie all these things together. Point one is the first phase, recognize and embrace that profit is your product. We talked about that a lot on yesterday's podcast. 
that is the point of your business, profit. The point is not to run a nonprofit. Point number two, never buy anything that is an easy button. Don't be seduced into poverty. Number three, accept that you must she's be a listing from, agent. She's, yeah. she's reviewing from yesterday's show, listeners. That's the reason she's going fast. So go back and listen to yesterday's show if you want drill downs on all these points. Sorry, Julie. That's okay. This is the practical, tactical, do something about it part of the podcast. Okay, so uh, now that you have the background and the mindset, you've got to do something about it. Point number three, except you must be a listing agent primarily. Know your magic number. That's the number of listings you must have all time, at all times to drive the business to create the profit, which allows you to meet or exceed your goals. Remember that being a buyer's agent is physical labor, quite literally, and being a listing agent is mental labor. That's why it requires more skill and more focus. Point number four, accept the fact that only on the other side of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it comes the freedom which you desire. It seems so counterintuitive that you have to put in all that time to actually get to the freedom that you desired when you got your license in the first place. Yes, work is required. Point number five, this is a big one, especially for grizzled veterans. Embrace being bored. Businesses are boring, and it's okay. I think that agents getting bored causes them to hit the easy button and buy the pretty shiny things and the next best thing that's going to make it easier, especially when they've got the money coming in and they have a little bit of freedom to make some of those mistakes. But being bored is okay. We used to have a sign in the office that said, uh, repetitious boredom pays off, because that's true. Think about many well, other things there. in life. Yeah, go ahead. But, but however there, so so when you guys get good at what you're doing, and I'm talking to the top producers out there, the guys that have been in the game for a while, when you here's the problem, and again, this is a coaching thing, we see this all the time with some of our top agents, is that you guys will get bored and you'll create problems for yourself, or you'll get bored and you'll stop doing the very things it took for you to get there in the first place. It'd be similar to saying, I want to get in the best shape of my life, and I'm going to eat well, and I'm going to work out, and I'm going to do the things I don't want to do, and I don't want to do at the highest level. And then basically you get to the point where you basically you've reached this level of fitness that you never thought you would, and then you stop doing, or you stop doing it at the same level, and you start getting fat and sloth-like again. And you wonder, what the hell happened? Well, the same thing happens, guys, in your business and money. By the way, the same thing happens in all aspects of your life that you care about, which is your education, your, you know, basically your how smart you are, what you're learning. You could easily become complacent with what you know. You could easily become complacent with your financials. You could easily become complacent with your, your spirituality. You could easily become complacent with your family. You could easily become complacent with your financials, right? And those are the five general categories that people set goals around for their lives. So when you get to the point where you have reached a certain level of success, you need to really straight stay drilled down and don't be seduced by the easy button. Don't be seduced by thinking there's, there's some you know opportunity out there that's going to that's going to somehow make it so you can stop doing the actual work. It's business maturity that basically keeps us focused, or business immaturity, lack of maturity, that makes it so that we have these big swings in income. So if you want to stay rich as you're earning, as your savings, as you're on the top of the food chain as far as real estate folks, if you want to stay there, you have to keep doing what it took for you to get there in the first place, which oftentimes is the real work, and that's the reason you're there in the first place. Now, people will try to give you their online junk. Oh, you know, when you're at the top of the food chain, you no longer have to work with buyers and sellers. You need to form a team, or you need to start a brokerage, or you need to start buying your leads, or you should have a superior brand where somehow the business is going to come to you. You no longer have to go for it. See all this bullshit that sneaks in that basically ruins your potentiality? 
You guys understanding? You're understanding what I'm saying based on your own personal experiences, the observation of the experiences of, of people around you? When you start making money and you become successful, you are not – you should not feel this uh, – innate desire to placate your ego and make yourself into a celebrity, which is the next thing I see people doing. They're really successful. They're making a lot of money. Then the next thing they start spending it all on just this ridiculousness, thinking that somehow they've reached some certain level of status and they have to reinforce it by making themselves seem like some sort of business icon. That's just ego crap. That's You're now spending your money to do something that's just placating your ego so that you will feel like people see you a certain way. What you're doing is you are feeding your desire to be recognized and feel important. You're looking for the adulation of strangers over a savings account, over passive income. So as you become really successful in the business, you need to make sure that your savings account and your net worth is reflective of it, and you don't just start blowing it all on things just so that you'll be seen a certain way. That's where your ego keeps you poor. I know some of you who have been listening to us for a long time are putting the pieces together. I know when I say things like ego keeps you poor, you're saying, I don't understand what he just said. That's okay. Keep listening. And, by the way, Ryan Halliday, who's our guest speaker at our uh, event in July, wrote Ego is the Enemy, New York Times bestselling author, I think three or four books. You guys definitely want to attend the event. Um, but go to Amazon.com and buy Ego is the Enemy. He does an elegant job of explaining how ego keeps us poor. I hope some of you guys can at least understand. Now, some of you who are new listeners, who you're just beginning your wealth building cycle, it doesn't matter how old you are, you're finally decided to really lock it in and you're going to accomplish the wealth building thing, listen from what we're saying. And we're trying to share with you the perils that other people have suffered from in their path to accumulation, their path to being rich, so you can avoid them. It's the old, I believe, Chinese proverb that says, a rich man learns from his mistakes. A brilliant man learns from the mistakes of others. Be the second, not the first. Next point, Julie. Next point is another big one, number six. Reject the idea that you need to or you must have passion to be successful. Have passion about the results you get from the money you earn from helping a lot of people. You don't have to be a passionate, you know, natural-born salesperson. I talk about this a lot in the Harris Rules book because it's something that I used to struggle with until I had certain epiphanies happen. You don't have to have passion to be successful. I mean, that's something people well, get stuck on for years before they either fail I know you want, business I know you want to talk about it. I know you want to talk about the Howard yeah. Brenton event where you watch the musicians, nope, but let's not talk book. about that. Let's make it more practical, okay? So, yep. okay? so, guys, here's the more practical version of why passion is basically we'll betray you. If you are waiting to feel a certain way before you're willing to take certain actions, in other words, you, only, you believe that, you have to, that passion and success are necessary to have. You think you have to be passionate for what you're doing in order for you to be successful to, to make a lot of money at what you're doing. That is a lie. There are countless people who are absolutely not passionate about what they do, and yet they're rich. Listen to what Julie just said. Your passions come from taking care of your family. Your passions come from your love from your, your dog, your life, what you do with your money. That's where you can basically allow your passions to flourish. You do not have to be passionate about your work. And I'll even underline that point by saying the belief that you do have to be passionate about your work is keeping you poor. It's causing you to have a return to poverty of 
soul in essence because what happens is if you believe you have to be passionate to be successful, to be passionate to be effective, because the passion is an emotion, is so fleeting, it comes and goes as fast as a fart in the wind, you're not ever going to feel that way for a long enough period of time. And then what happens is you start questioning yourself. And this is the reason that this woo-woo mindset garbage that we loathe about you to find your passion and you'll make money or you're whatever. That's just a bunch of garbage. And it ruins people's potentiality because people go from one thing to another to another. I am, it turned out that I wasn't passionate about this, so I'm going to do something else I am passionate for. You read this crap all the time. Or the other thing is the press will say, they tell stories about, and they'll write this article about some, you know, overnight success that took them 20 years to become successful. And they always like to talk about, I was introduced on a podcast the other day, or I, um, I don't know what it was, something I did for somebody for an hour. There's three, th- uh, 30, 300 people, whatever. And he said, Tim has passion for, you know, helping agents. And he went on to the introduction. It was very nice. And the first thing I said is I talked about this very topic. I don't necessarily have passion, nor just Julie, for doing what we're doing right now. We have passion for the results that come as a result of it for ourselves, but also for you. When I see you guys, when we hear you from you, when we read your emails, when we, talk, when we get to connect with you about what, has the res, what comes as a result of us doing what we don't want to do and we don't want to do at the highest level. In other words, if we can positively influence you guys to improve your lives and the lives of the people around you, and then you share those stories with us, that's what our passion is. If you want to say we have any passion professionally whatsoever. In other words, that's our output. Though profit obviously is our goal because we're just like you guys. We're business people. Does this make sense? So please don't be uh, fooled by the idea that you have to have passion to be successful. You don't. And the pursuit of passion in order to you know, allow yourself to experience success will keep you broke. Hopefully that's clear. If not, I want you to think about it. Be introspective about it. The flip side to that, or in addition to that, is that people who never want to commit to something, never want to actually drill down, want to basically coast through life, blame their lack of passion for whatever it is as their excuse to fail. That's the other thing we see all the time. You guys see it too. Okay, so if you have children, all your friends and family, all the motivational posters you see, all the self-help gurus you hear, and any time you hear anyone use the word passion, you need to throw up a little bit of back in the back of your throat so you know what basically you're dealing with there. Somebody who is just a feel-good, woo-woo type person who really has no practical, tactical uh, approach to life, and probably, by the way, will be that way their entire lives. Okay, there you go. Next point, Julie. Yes, actually, I just listened to a podcast that Jeb Blunt was doing, and he said that he has observed this strange phenomenon that certain salespeople are more attached to the avoidance of doing what they don't want to do than they are attached to the idea of feeding their family as a result of doing it. I thought that was a yeah. great quote, you know, because they get obsessed with that. So uh, related to our previous point, Point number seven, reject the idea that your goal is to, quote, be happy. That's very similar to the passion point. Point number eight, work is work. Well, hold on. it's work. Jules. Hard. Yes. Jules. So, listen, that be happy point is another thing. Is This is something I've seen basically bubble up in the millennial generation mostly, that the purpose of life is to be happy. I want you guys really to ask yourself if that's truly the purpose of life. Is that really the purpose of life, just to wake up every day and be happy? Okay, How can you be happy doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level? You can't. 
And if you're not willing to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level, then you're never going to get the result that does make you happy. Happiness without happy, you have to earn happy. You have to earn rich. And the way you do it is become really, really good at something and helping other people. And then you go and use what you've become good at to help other people solve their problems. doesn't matter if you're a doctor. doesn't matter if you're a doesn't matter. Whatever your professional thing is, you become really good at it. You solve other people's problems. And with that, you basically can have a lifestyle that makes you happy. But you have to earn it. But if you say your pursuit is happiness, then what happens is a lot of people gravitate to feel-good stuff. A lot of people gravitate towards drugs and alcohol. A lot of people gravitate towards shortcuts that make them feel happy without actually having put in the work. So be very careful, again, similar to what the previous point was, of being seduced by all the happy merchants and all the mindset merchants and all the passion merchants. They'll keep you poor. I know some of you don't believe me because you've grown up, as we did, in a world where this stuff was just a wash of everywhere you went. Uh, posters in school, uh, everywhere you went, T-shirts. I mean, there's whole people who have made you know, gazillions of dollars off perpetuating these types of feel-good lies. How's that worked out for you? Who do you know who's actually somehow in, sat around and asked the universe to bring them a million dollars and the check showed up the next day? It doesn't happen. This stuff, guys, all it is is just feel-good nonsense. You've got to see it for what it is. Your purpose on this planet, and this resonates with everyone we've ever shared this with, so it must be true, is to be of service to other people. Be of service to your family. Be of service to your community. Be of service to God. Be of, in whatever order you want to put this in, be of service to your country. Live with integrity. Be of service to other people is what makes you the happiest in a more profound way than just basically some temporary uh, emotion of you know, that came as a result of hitting some easy button. You guys get what I'm saying here? When you're taking care of other people, be it your family or be it your clients, when you're actually helping other people, have you ever noticed that you're more closely in tune with something innately you know, in all of us that you just feel more profoundly happy, maybe? I don't know, but try it, okay? And, and so the, the pursuit of feeling happy, here's the other thing that happens. We're asking you to do things you don't want to do and you don't want to do at the highest level. We're going to ask you to you know, do some actual, honest to God, proactive lead generation, a.k.a. prospecting. You will not be happy when you're doing the work. You will not be happy as you get good at doing the work. You will not be happy as you get great at doing the work. You will not be happy doing the work, to Julie's next point, because it's work. Work is work. You do not have to be passionate for your work, nor do you have to be happy while you're doing your work. But what you do have to remember is your work is there to be of service to other people. And when you do it at a high level, now, be careful. Now, real estate people, you guys, you know, maybe you know this or you wandered into this. Not everything is going to get you to a point where you have enough cash flow to be rich. Not everything, not everything in terms of career paths. So if you have children and they're talking about, you know, they're making these sort of like, you know, I want to do this or the other thing, why don't you do them a favor and actually sit down with them and show them the lifestyle that they're going to have if they choose that path. Now, if they've gone through college, unfortunately, a lot of them are probably going to be very confused about the whole rich thing that we talked about about a half hour ago, and I get that. So make it as practical as you can. Do you, where do you want to eat? Where do you want to shop? Where do you want a vacation? Where do you want to drive? Keep it practical. You know, how do you want to have your holidays? Where do you want to go? On, you know, all those things. 
And then when you start having them answer those questions, you can say, well, if you're going to be, you know, choose this career path, this is how much money you're going to make. And so these are the things that you're going to actually be able to afford to do. And all of a sudden, that almost like magic cuts through a lot of the socially contrived virtue signaling that's out there that makes people make a lot of bad decisions when it comes to essentially their financial, financial futures. You guys have to take personal responsibility for this because nobody is ever going to take care of you financially. Your kids won't. Your family won't. The government won't. You have to do it yourself. This is your responsibility. So tomorrow, let me look at Julie's notes. Okay, tomorrow we're going to get into actual ways. We talked about um, we're going to get into more of the meat and potatoes about uh, the single-family homes. And then I hope tomorrow or the next day we're going to talk about what index funds to start investing in. Uh, I'll give you guys a homework assignment that I think all of you will appreciate. Go to Bogleheads. I'm going to check this so I, I might be pronouncing it wrong, but I think I'm right. B-O-G-E-L-H-E-A-D-S. Okay, yes, B-O-G-L-E, heads, H-E-A-D-S, dot org. Go to bogleheads.org, okay? And that just that's your homework assignment. Go to that, um, go to that forum, and I want you guys to read about the three-fund – it's called the three-fund investment strategy, or um, that's it. That's your homework. Go there, read what they have to say about the three-fund idea of investing, and then read about how that is, in essence – the and unless you have billions of dollars, it's basically the only way to invest nowadays. You don't need a financial advisor. You can do all this yourself. So again, we're going to talk to you about how not just to build your wealth, but to keep your wealth. And we want you to diversify outside of real estate and, and do take advantage of some of the opportunities that are available in the uh, public securities market. And we're going to get more into that tomorrow and the next day. If you guys need us for anything, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.